Yo, 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 guys, how are you doing? It's Abraham here with another episode of Lost Words. Okay, we're going to dive straight in, but before we do, I just want to take a moment to thank you again, as usual, for listening to us, supporting the supporting the podcast, supporting me, and yeah, just keep enjoying the thing. We will finally be on Instagram. I am rubbish when it comes to social media. Anyone that follows me, all seven people, know that I'm never on it. But I think it's really important that we start pushing our socials a little bit more. So if you listen at all, jump onto Instagram, search Lost Words and join us. Send us some photos, send us some pictures, send us some thoughts. We can have some discussions over there. We can have some chat. Let's create a community. Also, whatever you're listening to this on, please subscribe and there's a little button with a little bell that's for notifications so whenever we post a new podcast you'll get to listen to it straight away you can go straight down to pod, onto instagram tell us what you think and yeah we can start to build this community one 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 subscriber at a time so today we've got a really interesting guest her name is sarah and she is a interior designer based in Scotland of all places. She came from Malawi originally and she has a fascinating story as to how she got here and how she's doing what she's doing. It's not a field that has that many women of colour, especially up here in Scotland. So she's got lots of information, lots of stories of how she got from where she was to where she is. Really fascinating. Quite interesting for anyone that spent much time in Africa. It'll bring you, it'll take you back, especially the early start of the interview when she's talking about her experiences to even get out of the country. But I'm gonna let her do the talking. Welcome to Lost Words. Sarah, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Um, you've got a really interesting story. You've got lots of enthusiasm and it sounds as if you're going to have lots of interesting insights for our listeners. So welcome welcome to Lost Words Podcast. Thank you very much for having me. So let's, let's dive straight in. So you were born in Malawi. Yes. And tell us about... Tell us about your life in Malawi. What was it like growing up there? Growing up in Malawi uh, is it was an interesting life for, uh, for us. Uh, Malawi is beautiful. It's one of the first countries that is very beautiful, and for people that enjoy life, that appreciate life, they will appreciate the beauty of it. So, growing up in Malawi um, was it was good. It was normal. Um, I grew up. Um, because you know, in a family of of, of five, um, I grew up in a Muslim family, and then yeah, um, it was weird because when I start talking about my struggles, like my early childhood uh, wasn't a struggling life when my dad was around because he was working uh, for United Nations. He was he had money. So we didn't struggle as much. I think the struggle came when when he died, and then we're now just dependent on one parent. Um, that's when the the struggle got real. It was like 
coming from the top <laughs> to the very bottom and i i never i never encourage that and i think this is sort of what drives me in life because i remember um even when i when i when i met my partner i was like he wanted to have everything before we got married. I, got married. I said, that's not me because I want someone who doesn't have anything so we can work towards it together. Because with my mom, uh, I knew when my dad died and when everything, when everything ended, she go back to the bottom, but she was able to, to sustain us. It wasn't a luxury life, but she was, on, she was able to pick herself up. And I feel like she was able to do that because she was there from the beginning. She knew that even if all this is taken away, I know how I'm going to get myself back up. And that's always driven me that I need to know how to, how to make things happen. So that you need to know how to build. Yeah. I, I need to learn how to be exactly. So that when that crumbles, I'll be able to, to build again. Do you get what okay. I mean? So okay, that's driven that, me. That. Yeah. Okay. That, that drove me even in, in the choice of my partner, which we, we sort of were different because he grew up like from, like from a very, um, a family that wasn't um he grew up in the village and he, that drove him he wanted to have everything at once i was the opposite i need to know where it's coming from mm -hmm. i need to learn how to start putting one brick on top of the other and so when it crumbles i'll be able to because i know the process so, so I think that's, process. yeah that's that's been my drive throughout like, like i don't like just i don't expect everything to be handed to me because if it's, if it's just handed to me and it's taken away, I'm just still going to be expecting someone to hand it to me. <laughs> yeah. well, and so when you say that you guys went from the top to the bottom, did you have to move house? Did you have to move... Oh, yeah. We had to move houses and we we came from <laughs> living in mansions to be like chauffeured to, to school and everything to living in a very, very small house. Uh, a housing is literally a housing house um by the government the housing is equivalent to here you know council houses <laughs> mm -hmm. they are their housing houses um the government uh, rent out to people that are of lower income <laughs> yeah. so yeah so we we went from living a very extravagant lifestyle like traveling all over the world and stuff to literally nothing and even like thing changing from even food <laughs> the food that you're used to is not the food that so i know how painful that is so uh, and i'm glad like even with our kids i'm glad we had our kids before we even bought our first house do you know what i mean i'm glad we had them and they've been able i'm not saying they struggled but they have been able to see the process even like buying a car the first car we had when we had our, our oldest child what what we have now she's seeing the process and i want her to be able to understand this that it doesn't it doesn't just come yeah like exactly. some yeah the other day she was asking mama why do you have so many jobs why do you do all these things i said because to be able to achieve something to, to be able to live a life and, and gone we're going on holiday soon i said to be able to have money to spend for holiday i need to be able to to work so hard so we can do this so trying to get them to understand um the concept of money as well they got <laughs> they've got um you know the piggy banks yeah like every birthday they they have a new piggy bank and then they start putting money in and they save that i'm teaching them how to save because now every birthday they open their piggy bank and then i'm um, like you can choose what you want to buy 
because you saved that money. I don't want them to think, why well, do you know, I can just mention this and mommy will get it for me. If there are things that they want, the, the little luxuries, I want them to know that like, I saved for it. Because I feel like anything tests better when you've worked for it. <laughs> Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. yeah, I think that little bit of delayed gratification, you know that you've put in the graph the hours, yeah. the time to get to it. So growing up in Malawi, you went from the top of the food tree, the top of the food tree, that's not a thing, the top of the tree <laughs> or the top of the of the social ladder all the way back down. Yeah. Your mother worked for the government. Tell me about how you came to to leave Malawi. If you came from such a humble, a humble place, leaving Malawi and coming to Britain isn't a cheap exercise. It's not no. a quick exercise. You had a bit of a unique way to come here, didn't you? I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like I say, because I because I come from a family of five children. So by this time, um, my dad had uh, long gone and obviously now living with 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 a struggle of everything and and now a, a single mother raising five children my um my older siblings were now in college and my and my younger sibling uh, was in private school and my mom my mom was, was told me that you'd have to wait until at least one of your older siblings has finished college for you to be able to to go to college and college in malawi is not cheap it's not, you don't get like, even government universities, they're not cheap, they're not free. <laughs> you still have to pay a lot of money. So I knew I have a, a few years before I can do anything. So I had joined this um, a Christian theatre group um, called Crusaders Theatre. And we're doing a lot of plays uh, in Malawi, um, stage plays. And we had um, an opportunity to come to, to to England to come to the UK and and do Your the must have been quite good if you had the opportunity to come over to Britain. It was it was good, but it wasn't good for me because um, we needed to 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 be able to to pay for a ticket. <laughs> so while the rest of the well, nearly everyone in the group could afford this because a lot of them were working and some of them had parents that could afford this. I knew my mom couldn't afford it and I didn't even want to ask. So when they told me they really wanted me to go with the group because of the role that I, I had in a play, I said, uh, I'm not going because I don't have money. And then they had all said they were cheaping for my ticket for, for me to go. And I still say, even if you cheap, it's cheaping, they, like they said we'll, we'll each pay 20%. Uh, of your ticket and then you just need to pay the rest i said i couldn't do it and then they're like okay we'll pay 40 percent of your ticket and i said i couldn't do it it came to a point when they said they'll pay 80 percent of my ticket and i just needed to pay 20 percent. and still i said my mom doesn't have any money but i wasn't even taking this issue to my mom um i said i've spoken to my mom and she doesn't have any money she can't afford it but i wasn't taking it to my mom because i felt like it would be an insult to her because i knew for a fact she didn't have any money so um, one of one of the directors came to my house one day. Um, I, after now, I still don't know why he came. But he just came. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I don't know why he came because I had told him <laughs> my mom doesn't have any money. So I, I feel like maybe he didn't believe what I was saying. He wanted to find out from my mom himself because he really wanted me to go. So he came to my house and he was telling my mom like, oh, do you know the trip? Um, we're going this Friday. It was actually, I think it was a, a Monday or something. No, it was a Wednesday. So we're going, we're going on Friday. And my mom was like, what trip? 
was like, oh, Sarah said she told you about the trip to, to England. My mom was like, I don't know anything about it. So the, the director was explaining to my mom that actually um, the rest of us have chipped in 80% of a ticket. We just wanted to pay 20%. And she said, you don't have it. And my mom was like, oh, don't worry, she'll go. But then when the director went, I said to mom, my mom was now started telling me, oh, why would you lie on my behalf? I said, mom, I know you don't have any money. Do you have that money? She said, no, I don't have the money, but you didn't have to lie on my behalf. Um, and then she's like, well, you're going. And I said, where are you going to get the money? So we, we ended up going around borrowing money and stuff like that. We borrowed from a couple of people. Um, one of them was one of the guys that I used to work for. And yeah, yeah um, we got the money. But by Wednesday, I realized my passport had expired because, again, since my dad died, we hadn't done any traveling. <laughs> so my passport was expired. And I said, um, Mama, even if even though you borrowed the money, I don't have a passport. And this is Wednesday and they're going on Friday. I, obviously, I can't make it. And then my mom was like, leave it to me. Just as well, there was a lady that lived on our streets uh, who used to work for immigration. <laughs> She's like, hey, do you remember the auntie so-and-so? Take your passport, go there. I will call her. By the time you get there, I will tell her what to do. So I went there and then saw the lady. And then I was like, oh, my mom sent me to you. She said, um, you can renew the passport for me. Uh, she was like, when do you need it? I was like, oh, we're traveling on Friday. And this was Wednesday night. <laughs> and then the lady, the lady said, okay, give it to me. So weirdly enough, she had um, a form, like application form in her house. I why? don't know how. Why? 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 Why, why are you saying random application form in your house? I don't mix, know. It sounds like a TV show or a movie. Like, I need to get I here. Know. It was weird. She, Seventy-two she hours. Happen yeah. to have the perfect form here. Fill this in, and I will go sort it out for you. I'll tell you what. This is the you know where you have to put your fingerprint. Mm-hmm. She took. She took out. You know those big pens. <laughs> she yeah. took out a blue big pen and she put it on the on the on the on the floor and and used like you know put, put your finger on the <laughs> on the pen and put it on the form of the fingerprint. <laughs> yeah, it was it was just a weird experience. And then she and said, just context, what year was this? This was uh, two thousand five. Two thousand five. Okay. Yeah. So she say um, she's like. Um, bring the money tomorrow um the exact money for the for the for the for the renewal come to the office in the morning and then ask for my name i was like okay so i went home and i told my mom what happened and the next day my mom gave me the money and like okay go now this was thursday that i needed to go to our office i remember when i got there it was weird um the malawi immigration system is weird there was so many people outside waiting for their passports yes and then when i got there um, people were asking me, oh, we haven't seen you before. We've been coming here for months. Is this your first day? I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like yes, it's my wait, first wait, wait. day. No, 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 no. <laughs> These people, stop, stop, stop. These people have been waiting for their passports. For months. For right, so they, they basically turned it into a job. I have not, they, they, they go every day, they wait for the passport, and then you rock up. Remember, it's the yes. Wednesday night. You need to go on Friday, is it? Yeah. Yeah, Friday. So now this is a Thursday morning. You come along with your friend who happens to have the correct paperwork, which yeah. doesn't make any difference. Yeah. And and again, my, my friend was already in the office, so I didn't come with her. I came by myself because she was like, "Well, just come to the office and and ask for my name." And so she was already in the office and walked back out. How long were you in there for? So I went there. I I, I went outside. Um, 
And then that's when these people are like, oh, you've been here long. I said, no, no, I just got here. It's like, oh, we've never seen you before. We're coming here for months. I said, yeah, I'm just here to see someone. So as we're there, because they, they, someone comes out to call names of those whose passports are ready. So um, I, I came in and then I said, oh, I need to see this person. So I walk in and then I went to the booth and then I just paid, because she had given me a number. I paid for my passport and got, got the receipt and then went outside to wait with everyone else. And then within, within about 30 minutes, someone came and then when they're calling the names, called my name was on my oh. passport on <laughs> How did they not lynch you? How did they not say, take her, take her now, take her, take her. She's got to go. She's got to go. She can't be coming here. We've been waiting such a long time. And the thing is, a lot of people listening to this who have never experienced any sort of African or developing world bureaucracy don't understand this. And everyone that has experienced this will just be laughing at this because it is exhausting, it is time-consuming, yeah. clearly, and it is really inefficient. I mean, things get lost, things yeah. need to be in triplicate, new forms arrive every other day. And even over here, getting a passport within 48 hours is tough, and you got it, it's expensive. And yeah. you could argue that Britain is a developed country. Over there, I mean, the bureaucracy, and oh, I, it's, <laughs> it's, it's 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 painful it's all about the connections and this is me saying from like me being someone who knew someone and had this done but like uh, they have a system where um they do express passports you're meant to take to, to get it um same day mm-hmm. but even that people pay this extortionate amount and they still have to wait days for the passports i remember um in um, a few years ago, we went um, and we wanted to renew our Malawian passports. And we got there, and I had um, my uncle, who again knew someone who's top of the chain. <laughs> and then we're like, oh, we need to renew our passports. And they're like, oh, just call this person. And then they would do the, the, the same day uh, passports. And even when we got there, we had people that are like, oh, we've been coming here for a week. I'm, I'm doing ex- express. They keep saying, it's not ready it's not ready we got there they got us to the boss's office and then the boss just called his people and then they did it and then by the time we finished dinner now we had our passports and we're going home it's all right if you know someone but at the same time it's really unfair for people that really are wanting the help yeah i I suppose that's the issue with society um especially in africa where it's fine if you know people and things can things can work quickly but if you don't have those contacts if you can't make that phone call it's tough it's tough and there's a lot of bribe going on like if you need to be seen you need to pay this amount but you don't need to pay all that when you're already paying the official amount but then a it's, lot of bribes. there's a it's lot kind of sad. quite yeah. annoying and it's almost part of it's almost part it's of, like almost accepted that you need to you need to give something backhanded to be able to get something well, I mean, every time we'd go back to back home, back to Leon, my mum would have a separate bribe purse where if you want to get anything done on the day you set out, you're, well, that's, you're onto a loser. But if you want a chance of that happening, you yeah. need to bribe people. And it is just, yeah, this is going to take six weeks unless, unless you, you know. And it makes you wonder what, what are they actually doing? If they can make things work that quickly, is that literally nothing just moves unless They're you're not doing their jobs. Exactly. Just so you leave Malawi. Yeah. You come over here. Um, 
you come, you perform in England. Whereabouts in England were you performing? It was in Yorkshire, um, a school called Driffield High School. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we performed there, I think, for the for the month. And then after that, um, again, we're, we're meant to be coming back home. But then I had some, I had a friend um, in London who was like, hey, why don't you come see me? So I said, I don't, I don't want to miss my flight. But like, but then you're coming, you're flying from Heathrow anyway, we can take you there. But then someone from um, one of the board of directors for, from, from my group was like, Sarah, just go. And if you get a job, do it because I know your situation. If you go back home, you, you're going to have to wait a few more years before you go to college. So why don't you stay here, get a job? And if you can do college, pay yourselves. You even be helping your mom with that because she, she only has to think of before children. So it's like, okay. Um, I spoke to my mom about it. She was not a fan of it because I'm a girl. You shouldn't be away from home by yourself. You should be in your parents' house <laughs> until you're married. So it took a little bit of convincing, convincing my mom. She gave me a condition that if, if you can make it for six months, then I'll let you stay. Um, if you can't make it and you can't work and go to college, then you're coming back home. That's fair. So I had those six months to prove to my mom that I could work and send myself to college. <laughs> I think it's worthwhile explaining the visa situation then. Oh, yeah. Because um, then when I came, the visa, it was... You you could come in as, uh, on a visitor's visa, and you if you if you find um, if you enroll yourself in, in, in full time education, they could change your visa from student it's for, sorry from visitors to student, and that's what I did um, after I got the job, and then I, I, I enrolled in college, and then I sent my papers to the home office to change from visitors to student. And that's something you can't do now, can you? You can't do now, no, because now if you come as a visitor, you go home as a visitor. You, you if you want to come as a student, you have to apply from, from your home country, yeah. But then you could do it. You, you just need to, to, to show evidence that you've enrolled. And the school as, as well would have to show evidence that, yeah, she's enrolled and she comes in. And if they have to put in reports and stuff like that, yeah. The school used to do it for you then. So you started college? Mm -hmm. And what did you study when you were at college? I studied business administration. and. Um, I did um, a degree and then I did postgraduate diploma. And then after that, well, I had met, this was years later now, I had met my husband <laughs> and they started dating and then he had joined the army. And then initially we were planning that as soon as I finish, I, I would do my master's and then we'll go back to Malawi and get married and this and that. And then he enrolled um, in the British army. And then it was like, no, we'll have to stay. Uh, yeah, so we broke up for a little bit because I was like, our plans, my plans was study, go home. And then he's just changed them. Then after a while, we go back together. And then um, 2011, we got married. And I moved to Scotland then. Scotland to Pennycook. Pennycook, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you moving from England to Scotland, um, just from a social point of view, did you find obviously the accent's quite different? Uh, oh, I'll tell you one thing that when <laughs> this is funny. I remember when we just we just got married, we had bought I think we had bought a bed or something, and someone was meant to deliver from Glasgow and, and the person called <laughs> like trying to confirm the delivery times and everything and, and my husband and I, I was on that phone for about two minutes 
because this guy kept talking and I couldn't I couldn't understand anything. Or, or I, I was just like, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. And I finished that phone call. My husband was asking, who was that? I was like, I have no idea. But you were talking to him until... I have no idea. I feel like someone's coming. Someone saying they're coming. That's all I heard. Like coming and and everything else. I could not understand. I kid you not. And then, and then he was like, "Yeah, give me the number." And then he got the number and called them back and then spoke to them. And then he was just laughing. He still reminds me of today because it was like that was a delivery guy. He's coming to deliver a bed in twenty minutes. <laughs> but yeah, the accent was so hard. I remember even when I got a job as a spot worker. My trainer then, like, she was just going so fast. And at one point I told her, I'm like, please don't get offended. But you're going so fast. And then because your accent is so thick, I can't understand anything. And she was like, I'm sorry. She, she, was, she wasn't offended, but she was like, oh, I'm going to try and slow down. She would slow it down. But then, you know, like, sometimes if it's how you speak, you forget and just go back to being. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean the Glasgow accent accent in particular has um connotations to be quite thick and difficult to understand. I find it quite charming most of the times. There's a couple of variations that I find particularly annoying, but in general, I quite like the Glasgow accent. It it, it makes me laugh. There's the odd person you find that you go, huh? What? Huh? But in general You would like it though, because you're Glaswegian, so you would like it. Exactly. Well, I know lots of Glaswegians that don't like the, the Glasgow accent actually. Um <laughs> I, I just I just find it charming. I spent a lot. I spend a lot of time in Edinburgh, and um, I'm gonna make no friends in Edinburgh just now. But I much prefer it to the Edinburgh accent. I think it's I think it's far more interesting, and I think people over here know how to swear, and it's interesting how you swear over here because it's completely different from most parts of than anywhere else in the world, and you swear all kinds of things, and a lot of times there's no offence taken because it's just part of the dialect. It's absolutely hilarious. It's, 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 it's actually joyous to listen to if you're in an old man's pub or in on a Saturday night and just listening to people chat. It is hilarious. It's so funny. So you moved up to Scotland. You got married, and, and then you had your children. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, my, I had my oldest um, in 2013 and then my youngest in 2016. Tell me about why you decided to pursue your dreams because you talked about it. You quote, I actually wrote this down. You quoted me, and I, I quote, I'm, I'm quoting you. You said that back home, not a lot of people pursue what they want to do because they can't always do that. Well, over yeah. here. People have the opportunity to do what they want to do. Obviously, people here have that opportunity, but don't always pursue it either. But back home, I think it's a lot more common that people don't have the opportunity and don't do it here. People potentially have the opportunity, but don't always seek it. But that seems to affect you quite a lot. It did, yeah. I think, like like I was saying, when I did my business administration, I think I still had the whole mindset that I just need to do some sort of education. And then that's when I did that. But then when I got a job, I lasted six hours in the office. I was like, this is not me. I would be bored just sitting here all day, every day. It's for someone else, but I knew it wasn't for me. So I had now over seven seven years to sort of explore what I want to do. Because I said to my husband, I'm going to get a job doing support work. I enjoyed support work, actually. It, it, it was, there was... Um, it's weird to say there's a gratification out of it, but there was a sense of um, 
sense of achievement when you when you've supported someone especially people with learning disabilities and you're trying to support them towards their independence when when you know that now doing something they couldn't do before it was a sense of um it was fulfilling say um and i did that for for seven years uh, while i was trying to find myself because i knew there's so there must be something for me <laughs> i need to be explored to be able to explore this and I think most of more of the drive for this was because of my children. I'm like, I've got two girls. At some point in life, I'm gonna be asking them to, to, to pursue their dreams, and it will be hypocritical for me to, to to be able to tell them to do this when I couldn't do it. Because if they ask me, "Well, did you pursue yours?" I don't want to be in the position to lie to them. I want to be able to be like, "Yeah, and you were there, and you saw it." And this is another thing that pushed me to go back to university at an older age when i already have kids um it was because i'm like my kids can understand the struggle i'm going through they will have no excuse to say if, if they need to go to university to do that to, to, to fulfill their dreams they'll they have no excuse to say well but i'm too old oh but i already have kids i'll be able to look back and say well you were there when i went back to university you were there when i was pursuing pursuing my dreams at an older age so, basically so that was another drive. role model yeah for them so that, that was another reason why uh, I, I went i went to uni and also because i'm just fascinated by, by buildings and just what you can do with them like you don't sometimes you don't have to change the whole uh, the whole building the the shell of it but then you can go in the go inside a house and you you'll see what you weren't expecting to see it's just like a hidden gem because of what someone visualized and someone did and this is what pushed me to to go and do interior design and also i always give credit to homes under hammer because that's what i was obsessed with and that's why <laughs> that's why i made me like if they can do that if those people can do that and most of them don't even have any um so the, most of them are not interior designers but they can just visualize it but then because i didn't have a background in art again is because i couldn't pursue my passions growing up so i didn't have a background in art of course. um so i needed to go back to school for me to be able to learn all of this to be able to i remember even going to unit i'm like i can't even sketch to save my life mm. <laughs> i was so bad i remember i had to go to youtube teach myself how to sketch from YouTube videos? It was quite sad. <laughs> you know, no, it's it's not. You know, it's not sad. You ultimately, you you knew that there, there was something a weakness, and yeah. you went after it, and you decided to to work on it. That yeah. that's that's literally what we try and instill in the next generation and and our colleagues. And when you're trying to motivate someone and say, "Look, these are things you can do," that yeah. that's taking initiative, picking up a flaw, and then working. Yeah. That's that's not sad. That's yeah, that's growth. That's personal development. Actually, my first year at unit because I, I, again, my my journey into uni was quite interesting as well. I applied to go to uni in January 2018, right, to study interior design first year, but the, um, I couldn't get in because obviously I don't have a background in art. To be able to to get into interior design, you have to have a portfolio, and I don't have a background in art. I couldn't showcase anything, so I couldn't get in. And then I looked online for like accredited um, colleges mm -hmm. that would do interior design diploma. And then I, I found one National Design Academy in, in Nottingham. So I applied for it. And I, I, I used to go for two weeks to do studio work. 
And then I'll go, I'll come back home and do everything online and then go back two weeks to do studio work and stuff like that. The reason I want to do studio work is obviously, like I said, I couldn't draw, like to just even get my hand on, like, on a pencil and, and to, to draw straight lines and all that. And then by, this was, uh, because it was mostly online, you could do it for about a year or so. But then in August, I was like, I applied, I was like, I, I'm going to try and apply for uni again. But then keep in mind, August, a lot of unis have already closed <laughs> enrollment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I was like, I, I honestly, I, I'm just weird. Oh, oh yeah. Well, wow. so if your track record is anything to go by, you you decide on the Wednesday and it's going to be there on the Friday. So <laughs> yeah, so August, I was like, I went I went on the UCAS website. I'm like, let me just try apply for unis and stuff like that. And I applied to loads of unis, and two to come, a lot of unis came back to say we've we've stopped taking um uh, for domestic students. We're only taking international students. And then weirdly enough, um. Kediotori University came to me and said, like, oh, you're doing, uh, you're doing diploma in, in interior design. We will take you in for third year if you, sh- if, you finish, if you finish your diploma by 6th of September, which was, was 6th or 9th of September, which was the day that we were meant to start uni. If you give me evidence that you've finished and you've passed your diploma by this day, we will take you in third year. But then, which was so funny, I remember I came downstairs like, jumping up and down and my husband was like, what's going on? I said, do you remember I couldn't get in in January? Seven months later, they're taking, they're taking me in for third year. <laughs> but do you know what though? You keep on hustling, you keep on pushing and you, that's how you get it. And that shows that perseverance, that persistence is so key to no matter yeah. what strata in life you are. It's so important. Yeah. So I got in third year, <clears throat> but then that's when I started um, experiencing a lot of struggle because now I'm, I'm competing with kids that have been in college for about three years doing interior design that have now come in third year. And I'm coming with a background of seven months. <laughs> Where did you study? Where? Yeah. Harriet Watt University. Oh, Harriet Watt, right. Okay. Watt, it's yeah. Over in Edinburgh. Yeah. So, yeah. So the first, um, I remember the first six weeks, they gave us a project uh, to do. Oh, and when with with our course, like you needed to do, you know how you go formative assessment and you go summative assessment. For the formative assessment, you, you we were presenting in front of our peers and in front of assessors, and then they will give you critique there, and then and then you go home, and then you've got about a week or two um, to be able to to whatever they gave you critique they gave you to be able to correct it and then you do the summative uh, submission so when i i remember when i went for my formative uh, um submission i went to present it and we did a little model of our project and then obviously uh, the printouts and, and present it in front of the class oh i remember my supervisor came and said you need to learn some skills which was really embarrassing in front of everyone I went to the toilet, I cried a little bit, but I knew it was true. I cried because it hurt and also because it was embarrassing in front of everyone. Not yeah. because what he said wasn't true. You know what I mean? Yeah. I cried because it was embarrassing that I've, I've, I've made a fool of myself and in front of the whole class. But that drove me to go home and I started working hard. That's when I was like, YouTube, 
teaching me how to draw. <laughs> I was like, YouTube, I need to learn some AutoCAD because I didn't know any 3D CAD softwares at all. You teach me AutoCAD. And I learned, um, I had, I started learning AutoCAD and everything. And um, my friends at school, <laughs> <laughs> they say, you know how like growing up like your friends you don't you don't really choose your friends you you just gravitate towards someone right this one now for me it was it was anywhere it was i chose one friend that was really good at sketching all oh, her sketches were amazing i attached myself to her and then there was another one who was really good at 3d software i, I attached myself to him now i had two really good friends <laughs> So you're saying basically, if you become friend, if she becomes friends with you out there in the world, right? If everyone's listening to this, if she becomes friends with you, it means that you're good at something. So well done, you. But she's <laughs> to learn from you. This is the reason why she's going to handle this. Honestly, this was the only time that my friendship I had to sit down and be like, if I'm going to be glued to someone, it needs to be someone who can teach me something. Which was, um, it's not a good way of finding friends, but they were good to me. They, like the one who was really good at sketching. She 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 would correct my sketch. If I draw myself, obviously, like I said, I was learning from YouTube and I'll come and I'll show her a few things. And in class, if I'm sketching something, to be able to be like, oh no, no, you can't do that. They here, you can't do this there. And the one that was really good at AutoCAD was doing the same as well. I'd be like, Can you show me how to do this? And you will show me how to do things. And I thought I'm just learning things from there. Well, it, it, it transpired like by the end of the year, because I was good with the theoretical stuff, because these are creatives that don't really do well. Uh, with this theory of things like the writing and the notes and stuff like that when it came to the theory stuff they, they would come to me say can you help us with this can you help with this so that bit gave me a sense of fulfillment as well like so i'm not just getting knowledge from them you all have seen something in yeah yeah we all have yeah. different things but yeah and like when it came to like exams theoretical exams and stuff like that like managing, uh, managing like behavior, behavior and readings, things that you needed to write and you needed to answer questions. They would come to me, can you help us with this? And I'll help them with that. And then because I knew the, the creative side, I can come to them. So even though I thought I'm the one just like making the knowledge and stuff like that, it turned out that they were getting from me. Actually, when we finished uh, our undergrad, one of these, person the one that was really good at autocad the one i thought i thought i chose him because he was really good with that he actually dedicated his whole thing to me and said thank you so Whoa. much if it wasn't for you i wouldn't have passed and he sent me a message he said if it wasn't for you i know i wouldn't have passed you pushed me and pushed me which for me was like boy and i thought okay. i'm just that must be such a warm feeling in your heart it was it was because i didn't think i was i was doing that for them there was so many times that obviously he would write something and he would send it to me like, can you proofread this? And then I would have meetings like, oh no, okay, can we meet before classes and I'll show you what you're getting wrong. And then we will start working on his, his work before we can get to class and stuff like that. And I feel like that was for me, because obviously with my business degree, that was very much theoretical stuff. And I, I sort of was good with that. So in a way, we sort of all got something out of each other and we helped each other out. Well, they yeah. do say that you are a composite of the five or six people you spend the most time with. And so the fact that you were seeking out people who, in your opinion, were really good at what they were doing, from that very 
that process of spending time with them, you're going to imbibe some of their knowledge and some of their skills and some of their ability to improve yourself. But ultimately, they're going to do the same from you. And it's yeah. that lovely synergistic relationship where you're learning from each other, you're working together, but you're pushing each other. And that is yeah. so, so important. And I think that's important in life as well as business. Oh, you definitely. Agree? Um, and you're out looking for a job. You did your master's as well in interior architecture? Yeah. So tell me about the job process. How did you, how did you find it at this point? Oh, it was hard because even throughout my degree, I was applying for jobs. I wasn't getting it. Throughout uh, my, my master's as well, I wasn't getting it as well. So it was a long time of, yeah. Were your nothing. colleagues applying for jobs? And if they were, were they getting them? They were. It was weird. Some jobs that I applied with, um, competing with, competing with, um, like kids, well, people that were in in year three, and by this time I had finished my degree and everything, and they were getting these jobs even though I was more qualified. Even when I did my masters, I found myself like competing with jobs, like entry jobs, with people that are still in year three and in year four, and they're getting it. So after applying for now a couple of years of jobs and stuff like that um i wasn't getting anywhere so i was like instead of sitting down and putting my hands and start blaming the world because i've not got a job let me do something for myself so that's when i decided to start my company last year so tell us about your company tell me my, <laughs> my company is it's called sc design house um i'm currently working from home because obviously with with my job i'm, I'm mostly doing my designs on, on my laptop and then I would just go to the site to, 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 to do measurements and inspection. So what type, of, what type of jobs do you do? Um, I'd like to say I do commercial and, and residential, but so far I've been doing a lot of residential, residential properties, yeah. Um, I've done a few, right now I'm working on one in Edinburgh as well. Um, it's just, the one in, in Edinburgh is just um, a lounge. Is a lady who's got a massive lounge. She doesn't know what to do with it. She uses it as a corridor and she wants me to redefine how to use the space. So it's usually a lot of people that have got the space, but they know it doesn't feel right. <laughs> and they want someone to help them like visualize how they, it could be reused. I, work on an, I worked on another project. Um, someone had, well, an attic that's just sitting there and she wasn't sure whether she wanted as a spare bedroom or whether it's wanted as an office because this guy's um she's got a company so um she wanted me to redefine the space but she also wants a space where visitors can come in um, they would have a spare bedroom so that one was in glasgow so i had to do like turn the attic into a spare bedroom slash office space but then it shouldn't feel like two different spaces it should just feel like drilling into one it's quite a fun project. When it comes to interior design, I do not have an eye for it. I I get it, but I am not that person that can sit there and go, this goes with this, goes with, this goes with that. I'm even worse. Like, there'll be times when I have an opinion on something and I'm able to, to say, right, okay, I want these colours, I want this sort of feel. But most of the times, I won't know I like it until I like it. I'll be able to give lots of lots of negative criticism in the sense that I don't like that, I don't like this, I don't like that. And then someone will yeah. say, what do you want? And I'll go, I have no, <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I know I don't want anything you're showing me, but I don't know what I want. How do you deal with clients like me? 
that don't know what they want. So um, it's like the 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 one I'm I'm doing in Edinburgh. The one I was telling you about. She knew it's it's meant to be a lounge, but she doesn't know what to go there. Like there's a a, a bay window, like massive bay window. You know those curvy windows. Yeah. It used to be um they used to have a seat on there, but they they've taken it off. They don't and they don't know what to do with it. They don't they don't know if they want curtains. They've had blinds that they don't like, and even with curtains, how would they work around it? So with that, for me, I I offer options that I I bring a few different ideas. So I'll do, let's say, three different mood boards and visualize your space. Like I can take a photo of your room and then try to place furniture on it. Um, and then I'll, I'll, I'll do different kind of um, settings to just give it to you. And then I'll, I'll tell you that, tell me what you don't like in any of these messages, in, in, in any of these visuals. Tell me what you don't like and tell me what you like and why you like it. So you you see something you're like I actually don't know don't like I don't know why I don't like it but I don't like it and then you you turn actually like this so I'm sort of getting a a, a sense of your kind of design aesthetic I'm I'm trying to get a sense of you okay this is where I would go with this guy so because I've sent you different um, uh, visual settings and you're able to pinpoint things that you like from them I'm getting an image of what I think you would like and then I'll be able to come up with the design that I think you would like. Okay, that's pretty cool. So, black female interior designer. Are there many in Scotland? Are there many in the UK? What What's the market like? How do, How are you received by your colleagues? Or is it a sweet point where there's no... It, it's just accepted and, and you can just get on with the job? I haven't seen a lot of um, black interior designers. I've seen um, is it Michelle Uganda who does interior design masters. Um, she's she's black. She's mixed race, but yeah, obviously she's black. Um, I've seen a few um, with um, with a few, just a, a few on, on on LinkedIn, but I haven't seen that many. I've had um, people like um, in the black community that after knowing I'm, I'm in church, then they'll be like, my my daughter's always wanted to be in Jersey. Can I link them with you? And then I'm I'm able to to, to be like yeah, and I, I keep joking that see by the time your daughter goes to university and finishes, my company will be big, come and work for me. So like, mm-hmm. I just joke like a big, but I I want to be the one that opens the doors for them. You want to be a trailblazer, and you're happy. Yeah, to see I, yeah, I want to I want to be that person. Mm-hmm. I want to just started, but um, I was speaking to someone approached me on LinkedIn, and this person I didn't know them. I I, I could remember the name, you know, because obviously we're studying on we're studying during the pandemic online. You just know names. You don't put faces to names. You just see names on, on the on the on the, on the thing. And then he contacted me on, on LinkedIn a couple of months ago. He's like, Sarah, I know you started your own company. Have you got anything for me? Even just internship because I've been applying everywhere. This guy's from India. I've been applying everywhere, but I'm not getting anything. I don't know maybe because you just see my name and I say like not even like free internship. So I've been able to. Um, I just spoke to him last week and he he's happy to be he's like okay please i just need to be able to work for you for a few months to show that i've done internship in the industry so i want to be that person that like opens the door because i know there's so many people like me who've got the experience or, or, or who are, who have the knowledge to do this but no one's opening the door so i want to be the one that be like yeah come come work for me or come try this out to be able to show them if they can do it i wouldn't i wouldn't even you know like kids um 
there's someone um because i do hair as well there's um a lady i was doing her daughter's hair and the doctor is about seven years and, and the lady was like oh she's always wanted to do interior design but she doesn't see, she doesn't know anyone who looks like her. the little girl is mixed race um the mother is caucasian so the ones are like but she she thinks because of how she looks there's no one that looks like her that does this so i'm like what about me and she said what do you mean i said but i'm an interior designer so i started showing her designs so every time she comes for me to do her hair she's always wanting to do to look at my website or or i'll be she'll be like are you doing anything now and i have to open my laptop to show her what i'm doing and the design and she's so fascinated and, and i've told her you know what? if you want to learn more or if you when you go to college come back and i could be able to guide you that's a powerful thing that's that's the point of having people in all facets of life that look different people people want something to look up to or people yeah. want people to look up to and yeah. having someone that might look a bit like you just makes it easier because especially i mean your story going from going from where you started off in malawi coming here changing your visa and then deciding you know i need to be a role model for my children and in that very moment chasing after your dream what happened is that you then also become a role model for so many other people apart from your children and and that that i mean that's absolutely massive so i need to um we start to wrap things up i need to ask him what advice would you give young kids or no i'm gonna start again what advice would you give anyone looking to to change their career or pursue their dreams because you were an adult with children you had a family and you said i've done business in the past no i'm going to become an interior designer it's it's, it's a left turn how, how would you encourage someone to to follow your example i would just say go go for it you only have one life to live um you don't want to live a life where like 50 years from now you're regretting i should have done this do it <laughs> do it see go for it if it doesn't work it doesn't work do you get what i mean you can always go back to what you were doing before but i would say go for it do it so that there are no regrets um there's no point living a life where you're regretting why you didn't do anything and also if if you need help look for it ask for it there are some people that are willing to not everyone is going to help you but you you'd be interested to find that there'll be someone else just willing to to help you out okay. to guide you that's really good advice. I agree with that as well. Having people, I think people believe that if they're going to go do something, they need to do it themselves and they need to be completely by themselves, hustling every minute. And if they ask for any help, it's as if they're transgressing against their own legacy or their own story, but it's not almost every person I've spoken to. And so many people I know, including myself, have only managed to do so many things that they've done because of other people and other people are there for a reason and um, this whole no man is an island is the older i get the more i understand that phrase yeah. and that, that yeah the more i understand that phrase yeah. um one of the things also, we, I think, oh no no sorry continue <laughs> no i was gonna say also <laughs> this is the funny one also watch the company you keep i'm not saying kick some of your friends out <laughs> but it's, <laughs> it's a powerful thing to have friends that you admire yeah like do you think that can push you to say like remember how i chose my my friends i'm not saying choose your friends like that but if they have something you admire something that you know you can learn from them it's a powerful thing it you're is. not stealing the knowledge they're giving it to you will, willingly freely 
but it's a powerful thing because you empower each other like you're saying i thought i'm just getting this from them i didn't know that they are also getting all this from me i didn't know that they are looking at me the same way i was looking at them and that was a powerful thing for me you know that i also have something to give i might not know that i have something to give but you always have something to give so what's your company you keep you're right when you when you i find that when you give the very act of giving no matter what it is whether it's your time whether it's money whether it's your expertise whether it's your opinion wherever it is when you give you open yourself up for receiving and it's as if there's this cosmic spiritual balance going on that as you the more you give the more you automatically receive and it's not and i'm just saying i'm not saying give so you receive I mean that yeah. that that's not right. But when you're when you're you know, when you go to find people like that, you find that they end up wanting things from you as well, and that you want things from them, and you work in like we said before in this lovely, harmonious, synergistic um, way. Yeah. So if people are trying to get in touch with you, um, if people need an interior designer, if people mm-hmm. want to find out more about you, how can they do that? What's the best way to get in contact with you? Uh, they can email me. Um, a design, um, is it underscore? What is that little line? <laughs> the, the lower line or is it the hyphen? The lower yeah. line, is that? Underscore, yeah. Underscore, so I was right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> design underscore um, sc at com or even my website, um, scdesignhouse.com. Yeah, dot com. <laughs> scdesignhouse.com sc yeah sarah charlie scdesignhouse.com that's fantastic look i have been loving this interview and i'm so happy i got a chance to chat to you um your stories your story's funny um, and <laughs> it's quite inspired and i love that you've got that energy and that light and that positivity and i say keep it up um I am hoping one day to utilize you as myself and my wife. We can't design anything, so we could utilize your services one day. But by then, you'll be too big, and I'll be like having to call your assistant and, and phone. They'll have to you'll be like, I know her. I know, I know her. Just her somehow, my like, name. Come on. She said she'd help me out. And, and now yeah. I use one of her interns. All right, okay, cool. Fine. They'll be trained by her. That'd be great. <laughs> um, but I'm happy to listen, even if you just want some some design ideas or inspiration for, for, for your baby's rooms and stuff. I'm happy to give. That's great. So, yeah. Thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure and an honour. Thank you for, for having me. So that wraps us up for today. Thank you so much, Sarah, for spending the time with us to talk about your story and what you've been through. We've got a couple more episodes coming for this series and then we'll take a little break and we'll hit you back again uh, in the autumn, like I said before, checking us out on Instagram, like, post our comments, follow us, and we will see you soon. Take care. Have a good one.